is my first year. I was at a smaller school, and, and we didn't have many players. And um, had a kid, uh, kid I liked, and he ended up playing for me later on and really, really a good kid. But anyway, we had a double hitter, and he skipped the double hitter. So I, I, I kicked him off the team. And, uh, of course, then all the other guys come to me, and they say, if he doesn't come back, we're quitting. I said, okay, that's fine. I said, i tell you what. I said, we're going to have a meeting, and I'll go around the room. I said, we get below nine players. I said, we'll just cancel the rest of the season. I said, and, and we'll end up, whatever our record was at that time, two and four or whatever it was. So, anyway, I go around the room, and then we end up with nine players. So, we were in it that had the season. But the funny part about that story was, when I went on, I some of the guys said, you know, Coach, he said, when I went to that meeting, I, wasn't gonna, I was going to quit. I wasn't going to play either. Said, but when I found that this one wasn't going to play, I knew if I said, yeah, I was going to get to play. Sounds like the movie Hoosiers. But if you could imagine starting your high school baseball coaching career in 1970 and you're still going strong in 2022. Since taking over the Jefferson High School baseball program in West Virginia 52 years ago, John Lowry has accumulated 1,392 wins 12 state championships, and 45 consecutive 20-win seasons. Learn the secrets to his remarkable longevity and success from one of the newest ABCA Hall of Fame inductees and voted the best coach regardless of sport in the history of the state of West Virginia. John Lowry, Jefferson High School, West Virginia, next on the Athlete One Podcast. Welcome to the Athlete One Podcast. Veteran high school baseball coach Ken Carpenter takes you into life's classroom as experienced through sports. Go behind the scenes with athletes and coaches as they share great stories, life lessons, and ways to impact others. This episode of the Athlete One Podcast is powered by the Netting Professionals. Improving programs one facility at a time. The netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for baseball and softball, including backstops, batting cages, BP turtles and screens, ball carts, and so much more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, and cubbies. The netting pros also work with football, soccer, lacrosse, and golf courses. You can contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out the netting pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Now to my interview with John Lowry, head baseball coach at Jefferson High School, West Virginia. Hello and welcome to the Athlete One Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Carpenter, and joining me today is John Lowry, head baseball coach at Jefferson High School in West Virginia. John, thanks for taking the time to be on the Athlete One Podcast. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to to come on with you. Thanks for asking. I, I guess we should start off by saying congratulations on being named to the 
ABCA Coaches Hall of Fame, and they'll be having their coaches clinic and banquet uh, in Nashville this upcoming year, correct? That's correct. And uh, I feel uh, deeply honored and humbled uh, to have been recognized by them and, and to have that opportunity. I've always enjoyed being a member of the ABCA and going to their meetings and conventions and meet the various coaches from around the country. And uh, it's just a great organization. Well, I, I got your name from a real good friend of mine and a former guest here on the Athlete One podcast, and that's Tim Saunders. And he's actually going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's in the same induction class as you are. And I would imagine you and Tim are probably pretty good friends. Well, I've, I've met Tim at uh, several of the meetings, not only at the ABCA meetings, but at the uh, National High School Baseball Coaches Association uh, meetings. Uh, you know, he's the executive director of that organization now. And uh, yes, Tim is a very, uh, very outstanding uh, uh, person, you know, not only as a coach, but also as a leader of our organization. Very outgoing, very energetic. And uh, I've always enjoyed my time uh, that I've had the opportunity to be with Tim. Well, let's jump into, you know, not just any kind of baseball career, but your career, because it's, it's for most part unheard of, I would think, around the country. But you, when you first started coaching 52 years ago, did you think you'd still be doing it here in 2022? Well, you know, honestly, I don't think that you would make that kind of, to say that you did, um, I, I never really thought about it in those terms. Uh, I, I think I've had the good fortune of being able to coach in an area where I grew up. You know, I grew up in this county. Uh, I went to high school in this county, and uh, I've always enjoyed the athletics. I've obviously baseball being my first love, but I've been involved in coaching the other sports as well. And I, I've just always in, enjoyed coaching and uh, being around various, you know, athletic events of that nature and coaching always was my goal. And I've been fortunate to be in the right spot, I guess, at the right time. And, you know, you've been doing this 52 years. And, you know, for me personally, when, when I started coaching, I always set a goal of one of our team goals was to win 20 games a season. You've managed to do that for 45 consecutive years. I mean, that's just crazy to even think of that kind of number. And how how were you able to do that, put up that kind of number, I guess? Well, I think one thing, obviously, you have to have the opportunity to do that. And by, you know, in West Virginia, we're allowed to play, uh, I think, a schedule that's uh, a little more expansive maybe than some of the other areas. We do, we're allowed 32 games a season. Uh, and before 1984, we could play as many games as we wanted to. And uh, then they put a, uh, a limit of 30 games plus a tournament, and then they adjusted that to be 32 games, and that would include any tournaments that you might play, and that, that's regular season-wise. Then, of course, you got your postseason beyond that. And in the past, uh, I forget what year this came in, but they started to uh, – allow our tournaments to be double elimination at the sectional and at the regional level, which obviously gives you opportunity, you know, to play more games. And we've been fortunate to do that. And 
uh, you know, the uh, opportunity and uh, we've just been fortunate to have the players and, and the interest and uh, to be able to establish uh, that as our goal each year too. And we've been able to, to meet that. And there have been, you know, a number of seasons when we've been able to win 30 more games. So um, we've been very fortunate in that regard. But I think the key to that whole thing is the fact that, you know, we're allowed to play 32 regular season games plus our postseason tournament, which gives you, uh, you know, opportunity. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Well, but still, though, you're putting to put up a 20 win season, even with it, you know, having 30 game season available to you. That's that's very impressive. And I I hope I have this right. Your overall records: 1,392 wins, 361 losses, and two ties. And you've won 12 state titles. And I believe you had four runner up appearances. What? Is there a game or two that sticks out to you over all those years? Well, yeah, there are. You know, you look at the state tournament, and you can even probably uh, go back to some of your regional tournaments. Uh, you know, games have stuck, jump out at you both ways. You know, games that uh, you've been fortunate to win by break, uh, games that you've lost by break. I, re- I guess the one that j- kind of jumps out at me the most from a personal level in 1988, uh, we won the state championship. Uh, with my son pitching and my other son catching. And I think wow. that, that was the only time that, you know, that that's been done. We won a three to two game, but the key to that game is we're down two to nothing in the sixth inning. And uh, I have a, one of my players who ended up playing professionally as a pitcher. Uh, he was just playing shortstop for us. That day. He gets on first base and he looks over at me, he twirls his hands like, you know, uh, in the, in the run of motion, and he, what he was saying to me was, he says, you want to run for me? Because he knew the, you know, he wasn't the quickest guy in the world. We had guys on at a, a first and second. Well, the next player hits the ball deep in the hole shortstop, and the pitch runner I put in, he beats the force out at second. And that kept the inning alive. And I'm not so sure that, you know, the, the kid that twirled his hands at me was, was going to beat that play. Well, that loads the bases. Then we get to a 3-2 count. And we had a uh, like a Texas leaguer down the right field line with everybody running, and uh, you know the ball kind of kicks into foul territory and gets gets away from the outfield, and we end up scoring three runs. We win the game three to two. Uh, of course, another time we get into the tournament, we're thirty seven and one, and we get beaten extra innings in the championship game. So uh, you remember that game too? Would we uh, uh, missed a ground ball in the in, in, in the uh, uh, I forget fourth or fifth inning, which would have gotten us out of the inning. That team scored in that inning to tie the game at one as a result of that play, and then we get the two to one in extra innings. You know, if we make the play there, we win that one on to nothing. So, you know, get plays like that will jump out at you. And you know, I, I guess if I'd sit here and think, I could probably come up with a, with a few more. But uh, you know, those are the things that make the game great, or the memories and. Uh, uh, the excitement that surrounds those games and uh, the emotions that you feel, uh, you know, the elation when you win, and obviously the uh, the uh, disappointment when you lost. The last two years we've we've been in the state tournament, we've gotten beaten in the semifinal games, and, and you, you can go back and you can pick a play or two out of each of those games and say, "What if?" You know, in the year before last, we had a we had a fly ball the deep center field. And we tag it third and we score. Then the other team appeals to play at third. And 
for some reason, the out call was made where it was replay shows that it you know wasn't close to about the kid tag. And so you know breaks go both ways, and that's right. that's the nature of our game. There's a random nature to baseball that uh, uh, that makes it interesting. You know, if you got that six ten guy on the inside basketball. He's going to be six ten every night, and he's going to, you know, it's probably pretty hard to overcome that. Or if you got that big running back in football, you know, it's maybe hard to stop him. In baseball, you know, there's a random nature to it. You know, the different pitcher each night makes the game different, and it gives anybody uh, a chance on any given day. And that's that's what I enjoy about it. Well, could you share the story? I believe it's your win number twelve hundred, and. For people that are listening, I don't, you know, I don't know if they can, anybody can even relate to being in this situation. But can, can you tell the story about win number twelve hundred? Well, I mean, I specifically, I, 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 uh, I guess, I guess the better way to ask the question would be, who was the winning pitcher, and and how does that tie into your coaching career? Well, my grandson. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he was a sophomore at the time, and uh, uh, he got the uh, he got the win. We, we we were playing a school out of uh, the Hagerstown, Maryland area, and uh, you know that was kind of neat. And in, in the memory bank, he he uh, he uh, he was a left-handed pitcher, as was uh, I, my other grandson, who pitched at Mercersburg Academy, who ended up playing with West Virginia, uh, the Mountaineers, and. Uh, and my oldest son, the one who was the winning pitcher in the uh, the '88 game, he was uh, he also was a left-handed pitcher. And I guess I'm a left-handed pitcher, so I guess there's something to the hereditary fact of being left-handed. Uh, but uh, it's, but yeah, that that was a good memory. Um, so that uh, you know, Brooks Brooks stopped playing baseball after his sophomore year, and uh, but uh, with that being said, you know, we still had that. Uh, in our memory bank, the fact that, you know, that's, uh, I guess there's uh, the good Lord looking out for that coincidence. That, that's just a coincidence of fate, I guess you'd say. Yes, definitely. Well, let me ask you this. How much have you changed as a coach? So when you started back, uh, when you first got involved in coaching high school baseball till now, how much of a change have you noticed? Well, you know, I think when you first start coaching, you reflect a lot of guys you, from what you've learned from in, in the coaching field from from guys that you've played for, and, and certainly uh, uh, to use the term old school might be uh, might be appropriate because I certainly have played or exposed to different guys that coach, great guys, guys who I have a great deal of respect for, but uh, the nature of the manner in which they coach was kind of hardcore. I don't know if you've you know uh, been around my age, maybe a little bit younger, you experienced some guys like that. You know, I mean, you oh, know, yeah. guys were back in the old days. I mean, it was yep. so, it, it was just the nature of how things were done. You know, pretty much uh, demanding, uh, uh, in-your-face type of guys. And uh, I, I, th- I think I've adjusted over the years, you know. I, I probably at times, you know, my, my emotions have been a little – strong especially early on in my intensity and that type of thing and i think if, as time goes on you, you realize that uh you, you know you kind of change with the 
with the times, and, and times have changed in that regard. I, uh, I don't particularly want to get into any specific instances, right. but I'm sure that there's probably some times when I was younger that if, 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 if you know, the, the way I approached things at that time, if in today's world, if I'd approach it that way, yeah, you know, it, it just wouldn't work. So I think it's like anything else. You have to adjust um, to the circumstances. You have to adjust to the times. Uh, I had the good fortune of uh, when I was, uh, you know, in, in the middle middle ages, I guess you'd say, my middle age, of working baseball camps with Cal Ripken Sr. And, okay. he, used, and he used to say, you know, it's a game of, of, of adjustments and readjustments. And I, and I think not only on the field, as a player, you have to make the adjustments and then readjust to what the other team's doing. I think as coaches, you have to be able to adjust the circumstance and the time and uh, and to learn. And any, anything you do, you try to learn to get better at. And uh, yep. hopefully, uh, you know, my career can – I can say my career reflects that. I've, I've been around – some people I had the opportunity to coach in the Valley League a couple of well for five or six summers early and then several summers later. But my, my early experience in the Valley League were with two college coaches who really uh, were impactful in my career. And we had talked about one earlier today that, of course, being Joe Carbone, who coached out at Ohio University, who you know yes. personally, and the other was Larry Bryant, who was the pitching coach at uh, Georgia Southern University. Uh, and those guys, they, they you know, they really had a, a lot of patience with a young high school coach at that time, and you know, and, and, and it was the opportunity just to learn from them and how they approach things, and uh, you know, and, and at that time, you know, the Valley League, there were, there were, we had some guys in our that played for us that went on to uh, play in the big leagues, play in the big leagues with success. Jimmy Key being the uh, you know the left-handed pitcher, pitched for several different teams. Uh, being the most prominent of those guys, and uh, but but that experience being around those guys, seeing how they handle those different personalities, and you know those college you know, those college guys who uh, they're intense, and uh, uh, you have to be able to uh, uh, motivation's the key, and those guys were good at, at motivating people, and that's uh, what I certainly took from that experience with them. Well, I, I grew up in eastern Ohio, a little town called Bel Air, across the river from Wheeling, West Virginia. And um, I'm going to throw two names out there. And my guess is I'm is you you probably know these names, but Phil Negro would be one of them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Phil's him and Joe. Wow, they talk about great great guys. But these two names are high school baseball coaches, and they. I, I would have to say complete opposites, but also I would think legendary in the state of West Virginia and uh, one being Dave Caesar and the other being Bob Montgomery. Well, I know both those guys. Yes. In fact, uh, we've played against uh, both those teams. We played against uh, uh, John Marshall in the uh, state tournament one year. And one year when my youngest son was a uh, sophomore and my oldest son, John, was playing at Minnesota, we had a spring trip in which we went out and we played Brook, uh, Wheeling Park, and uh, 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 Magnolia on three consecutive days, double hitters each. And then from there, the team came home and I went out. Minnesota happened to be playing at Ohio State at the time, so I got to see those games. But, yeah, uh, 
And, and Bob Montgomery, not only did I cross paths with him in baseball, I crossed paths with him when I was coaching our basketball team when we were in the state tournament. And he was one of the referees of one of the games yes. down there. And uh, story one time, I, I happened to uh, be in that area, and I wanted to go by and watch John Marshall play at their field. And Coach Montgomery came over to me, very gracious. Uh, I think his wife took care of the field for him. And yes. uh, uh, anyway, he he comes up, he says, you know, we exchange pleasantries, and he says, Coach, anything you want to eat now at the concession stand, you go down. He said, I've already told him, this, it's on me. So he was uh, very, very gracious in that regard. And, of course, Coach Cesar, he, you know, everybody says that the 30-game rule, the 32-game rule for uh, scheduling in West Virginia was a result of, uh, Jefferson having played so many games earlier, but I, I think it actually went back to New Martinsville. I used to hear stories where he played double hitters <laughs> in the morning and play another double hitter in the evening. So he, you know, if you look at his record, he played. He used to like to play a lot of games too. So both those guys rank up there. Uh, and I, th- I think the only difference between myself maybe and them is the fact that uh, the longevity thing. They didn't maybe coach as many years, but if they had, they their record would have been certainly up there. Uh, yes, and as well, yeah, and talk about two totally opposite people. I mean, and Bob Montgomery. I, when I first, after I got out of high school, before I went to college, I ended up doing a year of umpiring. And I remember coming out for ground rules, and Bob come out and he told a story during ground rules, and he was laying on his back. And I, to this day, I, I, the craziest thing I've ever seen at a ground rules meeting. But, but that was Bob. He was, uh, he was a character. That's for sure. Didn't Coach Caesar's son now coach at John Marshall? Didn't yeah, he, I believe he, he is the. the he the, the he took Coach, coach Montgomery's place. I, I, I think I was correct with that. Yeah. Yeah. Can yes. I throw a name out at you from that area to see if you do you not recognize the name John Retton? John Retton. Um, I thought he coached maybe. Maybe I'm incorrect. I played. He played at Fairmont State. He was, he was our center fielder. I think he's passed away now. And I thought he coached in the Steubenville area. And uh, that the name sounds familiar, but I, I I can't think of it off the top of my head. But but uh, a lot of really great athletes came out of that whole Ohio Valley area, and you know baseball was very prominent with turning out really good baseball players, like you said. Phil and Joe Necro and guys like that. I think they uh, played at West Liberty or one of them did. I can't. Yeah. They were West Lib guys. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course everybody, you know, they're, they're known for their, their knuckleballs. So it's, uh, (laughs) well, I, they were, I'm I'm sorry. I, I I wanted to mention it. it, You know, my pitching coach was from Defiance, Ohio. And uh, a guy named Ken Cross. Defiance, I think is probably across the state a little bit. Are you familiar with Yes. Yeah. So he, you know, we have an Ohio guy here. That, well, uh, if he's teaching whatever Tom Held teaches, then you got a pretty good pitching guy, that's for sure. Well, we we went out and visited with him one time, and uh, uh, yeah, we uh, Coach Carl's been with us since uh, I think nineteen uh, or excuse me, two thousand five, and uh, he he's he's a, certainly a strong asset as are my other ass, uh, assistant coaches to our program. Uh, well, you know, speaking of assistant coaches, I mean, I would imagine over the course of your career, you've 
you've probably really relied on having great assistant coaches. Well, without question. I mean, the guys that are two of my assistants on the varsity besides Coach Cross uh, are guys that played for me. And uh, one of them was a center fielder for us in the mid-80s. And the other one was a, played first base for us uh, in the mid-80s. And, uh, and, you know, we're only – our Board of Education uh, gives us X number of paid coaches, and then we have some volunteer guys that will step up. And those are also guys that uh, used to play for us. Uh, an interesting thing is, and I think I mentioned this to you in our phone call this morning, talking about uh, – you know, my doctor now was my shortstop in 1977. So, uh, you know, you you kind of you kind of look back over the years and you see guys that uh, and see how they've gone on, and it, it makes you feel good. I, you know, they say, you know, people ask you what kind of team you have, and uh, you know, I, I I like to say, well, ask me 20 years from now, and you see what these guys are doing, how they've turned out, what kind of fathers they are, what kind of uh, how they've been successful, or what they're doing with their lives, and that'll tell you ultimately what, and that's kind of the business that we're in as high school guys is trying to get guys ready to move on and be successful. And, you know, obviously, obviously I don't, you know, as any kid like we did when we were younger, everybody wants to play, be a professional, play in the major leagues, and, that, and that's great. But the reality of it is, you know, that's not going to be the circumstance for the vast majority. So they have to have some other uh, – you know, skill sets and things besides what they might do on the field, the discipline, the teamwork, the being able to handle adversity, all those types of things uh, that they can take with them from uh, from having had the experience of playing uh, baseball. Uh, and that's what athletics in general, I think, teaches. And that's the reason I enjoy coaching so much is because of all those things involved and getting to see the guys as they go on and uh, – I tell them if you know if, if baseball can help you get an education, that baseball's done a great favor for you. So uh, yes. you know, there's a lot of a lot of pluses to take away besides just the, the wins and losses that you might have uh, accumulate over a period of time. I totally agree with that because it's when you get into coaching high school sports, you're obviously not doing it for the money and and the impact you can have on a young person's life and what happens to them 10 to 20 years after you leave your program is a big indicator of how you contributed to making them a successful person. And, you know, speaking of the, the players and how, how you handle situations, I mean, you've had plenty of experience with this. How do you, how do you over the years, how have you learned to handle the tough conversations, whether it's with a player who, you know, isn't going to see a whole lot of playing time or maybe even, the the parent that might be upset that they think their kid should be on the field or should have pitched in that situation, whatever it may be. How have you learned to handle having those tough conversations? Well, you know, that, that evolved. Those things aren't easy. A lot of times, and you know, and especially in the beginning to, you know, guys uh, wouldn't play. But now, you know, I try to emphasize, I try to emphasize the value of being a good teammate, uh, understanding what your roles are, uh, you know, and, and the conversations that we've had with kids and tell them, you, you know, they're, they are, uh, you, you know, I, I tell them if they're not disappointed or not upset, I mean, that's, that's certainly natural with being able to handle it, you know, talking about what you learn from 
maybe not everything going the way you want it to go. Uh, I had I, I learned a lot. I forget how many years ago it was. I had a parent, and they had a, we got into the tournament. You know, playing the many games we have, you have to have a pitching staff with four guys play pretty much in rotation. Well, when you get to the tournament, the way the games work out, especially before we got to the double elimination format, you'd have maybe your two top guys could pitch. And this one kid, is a, he went on to play Division One. He, he played Division One at Charleston Southern. But anyway, uh, his father, you could tell the kid was upset. And I hadn't really – I think he understood what was happening by the way the lineups, you know, the way things evolved. But the father said to me, and I, I really, really appreciate this. He said, Coach, he said, you know, he can handle whether or not he pitches or not. He said, he just wants to know. You know, I hadn't come out and told him yet that, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to him and him. And then, you know, if the time allowed, we'll come back. And, uh, and uh, you know, and that's uh, made sense. You know, it, it, what you tell people all the time is not necessarily what they want to hear, but you have to do that. You have to, you have to tell them what their role is and where they are. Uh, I had a coach, his name was Bob Rowe. I didn't, I didn't play for him, but he lived in our community and he coached at Shepherd. And he, in fact, he coached out there at Oak Glen in the Northern Panhandle. Okay. He was Oak Glen for a while. His name was Bob Starkey. I don't know if that name rings a bell or not. But anyway, you know, he and I used to talk a lot just about coaching in general, not particularly coaching baseball or basketball, whatever it was. He said, you know, when a parent comes to talk to you about your son's playing time, he said, I always tell him, says, Coach, you know, or I'll say, you know, that you've ruined my uh, ability to put it into perspective as to why he's playing. Is he playing because you've gone to complain or is he playing because, uh, uh, you know, he has the ability to play. So you've taken away from me, you know, you put a, uh, a damper kind of on my judgment, you know, what, what, how is he playing? Why is he playing? Because he deserves to, or because you can't even complain. So we try to always make it clear that, uh, you know, players play coaches coach and parents support. And I think, uh, I think any time that there's a problem between not a problem necessarily or maybe an issue would be the better word to say it about playing time or things of that nature. It's up to the player to come talk to the coach, not to the parent, because it's, you know, the, the issues between the coach and the player, not between the coach and the parent. And I think in this day and age, you, you see that get blurred. So, and that's where uh, we're, you know, that's what you got to deal with. And that's part of the involvement that you talked about. You know, I mean, I think right. that's a little more prevalent now, especially with the advent of all the travel teams and all the other stuff that goes around with that. So, um, what we try to approach it is uh, just what I, how I said, you know, the players play, the coaches coach, uh, parents support, and, uh, and our doors always open to talk to our the young men about issues that might they might have concern. But the idea is that they learn to become good teammates. They learn to accept their role. They learn to compete for their positions on the field. Yes. Well, what do you think has been the key to your success over these years? I mean, a lot of there's a lot of coaches out there that's had great careers, but very few have put up the numbers you have. What can you look at something and go, you know, this is why I have been as successful as I've been. Well, we've had a lot of interest in our program, and, uh, and I'll have to say that, you know, our area, uh, the Panhandle, it's, it's just a good area for, for, uh, for baseball. It always has been. 
Um, you can trace back to the late 40s. Charlestown had a state runner-up team, Charlestown being one of the three schools that consolidated to make Jefferson. Uh, 1970, Shepherdstown, which is a community that I live in now, won the state championship back when it was only one class, you know, and now, you know, three classes. And uh, so, you know, baseball, you go to Martinsburg, they've won uh, uh, four state championships. Uh, Hedgesville has won a state championship, in the, I think, in 2013. Uh, they being about 15 miles from where we're located. Uh, they go to the AA, you go to uh, Berkeley Springs, they have a state championship in their background. Kaiser, where John Krupp played, they won a couple state championships in the late uh, 70s. So you go throughout the immediate panhandle, you go throughout the panhandle extended, you see, uh, you know, there's interest in baseball. And I had a scout tell me one time, that, uh, you know, from following guys around that played, that played on our team and played Legion ball and this, that, and the other. He said, you, at Jefferson, you seem to be able to get all the guys that are baseball players come out and play. And I think that's been the key. We've had that level of interest. We have, back before the schools uh, deconsolidated, we, uh, we had 80 or so guys come out for the team. Oh, and, uh, uh in fact, a couple of years, we had a couple of JV teams, two JV teams. Now, Brooke used to do, in your area, Brooke used to do that in football, right? Yes. <laughs> they were parallel football. Uh, and recently, we've tried to, we found, I found out that you can play as many JV games as you want, as long as you don't let a player play in more than 32 games. And, and, and I think that's good because it creates interest. Kids know that if they come out when they're young, there's going to be opportunity for them to play. And, when we try to build our team, we not only build it for this year, but you look as to when these guys leave, who are we going to have ready to fill in? And that's uh, uh, that's been the way we've approached it. And, uh, you know, even now with uh, once you know, our school split with, the, with our community growing, uh, we still have you know, 12, 1,300 in each school. Um, you know, we'll still get around 50 guys out for baseball every year. And, uh we try to, you know, as I said, always not only play the full varsity schedule, but try to play as many of the JV games as we can. Our JV's involved in a tournament in the uh, overnight where they get to take an overnight trip at the end of the year. It's um, in, in the Bridgeport, West Virginia area, which uh, tries to attract okay. JV teams from all over our state. So that you know, it's it gives them a lot to look forward to. So uh, you know, a good baseball area, obviously good baseball players. Uh, interest in, community interest, all those things go together. The human component, like I mentioned before, from the support from our Boosters Club and providing opportunities for the kids. We go to Myrtle Beach and that type of thing. Uh, we create that interest. Uh, they build that pride. Uh, we have a uh, saying that says tradition never graduates. We try to live up to that. And uh, we've just been fortunate over the years to, to have that level of interest to allow well, it, If I were if I were to have a conversation with any of the coaches in your league, what would you expect they would say when they have to play Jefferson High School? Well, <laughs> I don't know. You know, they. Uh, I mean, are, are you? Let me ask you: Are you guys like known for your pitching dominance or fundamentals, or what? What type of team do you typically put out year in and year out? Well, I think we try to eliminate mistakes. We try to eliminate things where we beat ourselves. Um, we try to have some, um, we try to be aggressive on the base pass. 
you know, our, with our first and third plays or trying to take the extra plays or our extra base, being able to advance on balls in the dirt. Um, you know, I, th- I think we try to have some plate discipline and that we don't go up and get ourselves out of the plate. And, you know, we try to work counts, uh, especially early in the game, get the other team's pitch count up. Um, I, th- I think that um, – the key to it, obviously, is pitching. I think we've had pitching depth over the years. Uh, you know, we had a kid, 99, drafted the 32nd kid, taken in the overall draft, kid named Josh Sennett, and he ended up with an arm injury. And But, you know, we've had a number of kids go on and, and pitch at the collegiate level, especially at Division One, And, uh, you know, that, that that's allowed us to be successful. Uh, you know, our, our – our approach, and I'm sure the approach of all of all these schools would be the same. You know, you try to eliminate the mistakes. Uh, you just try to play in a manner that makes the other team beat you. You know, I'm, you know, I've seen things, that, and I'm not, and I'll probably maybe, I've seen games where we'd be ahead four or five to one, and the other team comes up, and they start swinging at the first pitch. You know, and, and they'll, get, they'll, they'll get themselves out right away instead of you know making us have to throw strikes. Maybe getting, you know, that type of thing. So we try to – I think the key to it is is to have pitchers at those strikes, being able to catch the ball on the field defensively, and, uh, you know, just getting the ball in play to make other teams have to, to make plays, uh, eliminating the strikeouts on, on our part, and, uh, you know, try to force teams in the area and in the mistakes by uh, playing, playing, having to play fast, having to make plays in a hurry. Uh, we have a good uh, conference over here. It's evolved over the years. It's called the EPAC, the Eastern Pan Am Athletic Conference. And, uh, you know, Martinsburg, Hedgesville, Musselman, Washington, uh, New School, Spring Mills, and ourselves, six teams. Uh, but over the years, I think you would probably say that uh, Jefferson and Martinsburg have been the two uh, the two rivals. Uh, and because the other schools have kind of been smaller schools that have grown as the population has grown. Uh, now with Washington being the other school in our, our uh, uh, county, certainly that's a, a, a good rivalry too in, in, all, in all our sports. So that's what creates the interest, the fan support, and I think that's what gets the young people when they see that as they're growing up, gets them to, you know, they want to do, they want to be involved in that. And, you know, um, maybe getting off the subject just a little bit, I don't know if you realized it, Hedgesville High School, one of the schools in our conference, had the number 16 player taken in the draft by the uh, uh, Cleveland Guardians. And, uh, oh, okay. And he, he uh, I think I'm correct, that he signed for like $3.9 million. So, and he graduated from Hedgesville there in uh, 2019. His stepfather played for us uh, uh, back in the early 2000s. So, uh, you know, some good players in our area. And then you had the two Creek. You had Doug Creek from uh, Martinsburg playing the big leagues. Scotty Bullet from Martinsburg playing the big leagues. We've had a couple kids get to AAA. You got Crook in the Panhandle from Kaiser, you know, played in the big leagues. Travis Harper from uh, uh, Circleville. He was a right-handed pitcher, uh, played in the big leagues. So there's been a number of players uh, from our area uh, to go on to play at the highest level. So it's, it's a good area for baseball. Well, you know, I – I, I see teams, you know, and I, I've coached for 27 years, and I've seen teams that have, have all the talent in the world. Uh, but to me, you know, a coach is 
is the, so critical to that team's success. And, you know, I, I know you're, you're being a little humble about this, but, you know, you're the maestro that puts that whole pro puts all those components together and to, to put together the type of career that you have is really incredible. Let me, let me finish with one last question here for anybody that is either just getting into coaching or they've been coaching for a while. What's the best piece of advice you'd give them when they're coaching high school baseball? Well, I'd say have a philosophy and stick with it, you know, and how you want to approach, you know, get, be consistent with that philosophy. And that will establish that tradition for you, hopefully, over the years. Now, obviously, you know, having success helps that philosophy or helps that tradition grow. But, uh, you know, you, you, you got to demand certain things and you got to stay consistent with that. You got to, uh, uh, you, you know, you can't ever let talent hold you hostage. In other words, you've got to hold guys that have talent to the same level of accountability that you do everybody. You know, make make players accountable. Make players understand that, uh, you know, that they have to play with effort. They have to hustle. Two things that you should never have to uh, coach your effort and attitude. And I think if you can establish that with your players, and then if you have players that are talented, then, you know, that's you know, the, the process will, will definitely fall into place. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been fortunate over the years. I've coached um, and we have a, a media guide that we put out that, uh, uh, you know, that outlines and reflects or gives recognition to, uh, you know, guys that have had the opportunity to play Division One, or maybe guys that have had the opportunity to play uh, professionally. Uh, you know, I've, I've certainly enjoyed that. I've, I've had the opportunity to coach all three of my sons and all of them had the, the opportunity to go on to play collegiately and all of them had a chance to play on state championship teams and certainly uh, that, that's a great memory uh, the thing about baseball there's an objective uh, obviously there's a lot of there's subjective things when you, you know you look at a guy you not only look at his skill set you look at his humility you look at his uh, uh, work ethic you look at his his attitude you look at his uh, how he wants to go about things and, and, that, and that's the separating factor for a lot of these guys. And we've been fortunate to have guys that are like that. And, and the ones that aren't like that eliminate themselves. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what it is that we do that maybe that creates that environment, but we've been fortunate. And I think if there's anything about coaching 52 years, I think people are people that come into the program are, are at least going to know how you are. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> and I, I think that's, you know, I think a lot of times we get the younger guys are going to be tested, but you got to stick to your guns when you are tested. And uh, I'll, let me relate a quick story. And maybe sure, go ahead. No, this is my first year. I was at a smaller school and, and we didn't have many players and um, had a kid, uh, skip my, a kid I liked and he ended up playing for me later on and really, really good kid. But anyway, we had a double hitter. And he skipped the double hitter, so I, I, I kicked him off the team. And uh, of course, then all the other guys come to me and they say, "If he doesn't come back, we're quitting." I said, "Okay, that's fine." I said, "I tell you what," I said, "We're going to have a meeting, and I'll go around the room." I said, "If we get below nine players," I said, "We'll just cancel the rest of the season." I said, "And uh, and we'll end up uh, whatever our record was at that time, two and four, or whatever it was." So anyway, I go around the room, and then we end up with nine players. 
So we were in it that half the season. But the funny part about that story was as <laughs> time went on, I some of the guys said, you know, coach, he said, when I went to that meeting, I wasn't going to, I was going to quit. I wasn't going to play either. I said, but when I found that this one wasn't going to play, I knew if I said, yeah, I was going to get to play. So anyway, we ended up with nine <laughs> players. So that kind of, I think that kind of established something that, you know, you just didn't come play when you wanted to play. If you're going to be a part of the team, you're going to be there. And, uh, uh, so that was, you know, that, that was an interesting time for a young guy and, um, all great memories and the guys that played on those teams for me down at Harpers Ferry, great guys. And, um, you know, they, and that, when the, when the new school went into effect, they, uh, uh, you know, there were a lot of coaches that wanted jobs and, uh, and, I was probably second in line to get the baseball job, but they wanted to try to make sure that everyone who was interested would have an opportunity to have a team. Well, the guy who might have got to be the head coach, he had an interest in basketball. Well, he went and he was allowed to be he, – he was given the uh, head JV job in basketball at Charlestown High School, who was a powerhouse at that – or at uh, Jefferson High School. And Charlestown had been a powerhouse coming into that. So he had an interest in basketball, and he went on to coach – at a varsity level at another school. So when he did that, that allowed me to have the opportunity to be at Jefferson uh, that first year. And uh, we didn't even have a field that first year. And, uh, you know, just uh, have, I, I think that's what you need. It's another thing that I enjoy is the fact that having been there from the beginning and have, having to seen it evolve over the period, that period of time and, and the interest level and the support has just made it, unique and satisfying from my perspective. Well, I, I I can't say I've had a chance to coach against you or, or this is my first time actually having a conversation with you, but on behalf of, you know, anybody that's involved in baseball, you know, thank you for everything that you've done for baseball. And I know you have had a huge impact in the area that you coached there in West Virginia. And, you know, there's not many coaches out there like you with put up the numbers you have and have the longevity you have. And, uh, Coach, I hope you really enjoy the ABCA convention and your Hall of Fame induction. It's definitely well-deserved. And thank you again for taking time to be on the Athlete One podcast. Well, thank you for saying that. You know, let, let me close with this one thought. And I, sure. I, I think it's a, uh, an interesting way uh, – you know, you grow up gripping a baseball, but in the end, you find out the ball has a grip on you. And what I've been fortunate to experience. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to Nashville. And I, I want to thank all those who have made it possible. Players, parents, school administrators that have given support to our program, school administrators that had a passion, had, uh, had patience with me when probably – uh, it was difficult at times maybe to have that patience, but they gave me a chance to grow, and uh, uh, I've loved every minute of it. Thank you. Thank you, Coach, and, and good luck this upcoming season. Okay. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, rate the show, and leave us a review. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Athlete One Podcast. A big thank you to our 
sponsor, Netting Professionals. Netting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational high school, college, and professional fields and facilities throughout the country. Contact them today, 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at nettingpros.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Thanks for joining.